Hell yeah. Uh, you're way doing, too early. Are we still doing that? No, I don't think we're doing that, but it's way too early. Uh, this is Zach Lyons, Zebo, and I'm here with our Mike 22, like we talked about on the last podcast, with Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. How are you doing? Doing good. Do you think we sound the same? Us, voice-wise? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. There, there's a user who brings, a Twitter user who brings us up constantly in my DMs. Really? About everybody on the podcast sounding the same. Uh, I won't I won't out him, but I'll say his name is Lightens Vape. <laughs> um, so he he thinks that we all sound the same. Um I mean I I don't think so. I, I mean, I mean I maybe don't get me it. and Keith. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, but I mean, you know, Keith Lebowski barely has on. a very distinct voice. Right. I mean, come on. And I think I sound different than everybody else. I think so. Uh, it, it was really weird. He he said odd. that, and it made me w- almost want to start getting back to that thing where I just mentioned everybody's name constantly. Yes, Zach. You yeah. should. <laughs> I could do that, Mike. You're right. <laughs> so uh, we're doing the Mike 22. We haven't done one in a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, so we got a, probably a lot of ground to cover as far as differences in the offense and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but let's first talk about beating the fucking Colts. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, how much fun is that? So take us, you know, we talked about on the podcast yesterday what we felt during the game. Uh, I brought up that I never really lost faith. Yeah. Uh, did you at any point lose faith? I wouldn't say lost faith. I, I, I got a little nervous when they went down 17 to 7 simply because 17 to 7 and it was like midway through the third quarter, I think. That's a pretty tough road to come back from, but. I still felt like it was possible. I, I definitely didn't give up hope. And, you know, I, I heard your conversation a little bit about, you know, people, you know, my mentions were filled with people. And I, I at one point after the Titans came back and won the game, at one point, the petty side of me definitely thought about going through and quote tweeting all of the the people that were just like, well, I guess we don't have to worry about the playoffs. Well, good thing this season's over. Uh, I'm going to go back to doing something like Everybody was melting down, and and uh, I at one point I did, and this was I think it was it was at halftime. Uh, someone had jumped in my mention saying, oh, "This season's over. I can't believe we we were even worried about the playoffs." And uh, I did quote tweet that, and this was before they came back and said, "Yeah, come on, calm down. It's ten to seven. Like yeah. the game is not even close to over." And uh, people, a lot of people responded to that tweet with more negativity about, oh, this game's <laughs> over. If you haven't, if you don't think this game's over, you haven't watched the Colts and Titans play over the past, you know, 10 years or whatever like that. Game Obviously, these people haven't paid attention to this fucking team. Yeah, this is a different like that, team. It's just a different team. I keep saying it. And yeah. I and I hope after this game, more people come around to seeing that this is just a different team. Yeah. But it was funny because Lebowski said that he got in the negative mode. Yeah. Jumped right back in after these last two weeks of and, talking. And after he had been on, yeah. you know, team, hey, just watch the game. Yeah. Enjoy the game. And and, and that's, that's how I've been. Yeah. And it is a more... It's a thoroughly more enjoyable way to watch these games. And it's not going in with like, uh, oh, we're definitely going to win or we're definitely going to lose. It's just go in with no expectations, you know, see what happens and react after that. You don't have to react before it happens. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's the the thing. thing. And and like, it's not about having a lot of people, you sent out a tweet. Oh, man. What was the tweet that you sent out uh, on Monday? 
It was, or it had something about, um, I don't know. It was it, something like with bullet points on there that you sent out. Oh, uh, would the Derrick Henry stat of uh, him being one of five running backs? No, with, it was something else. It was something gonna, about the schedule and about winning and stuff like okay. that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and find it. Uh, but. It, it got shared in one of the group chats I'm in, and they were all talking about, imagine having hope that we're going to win or something like that. Oh this God. is just the same old team and blah, 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 blah. And I just keep saying, I said, it's, it's not really that you have this false sense of hope. You're not, you're not being a hope merchant. Right. You're just sitting back and enjoying the game and realizing that this is a different team. Yeah, and oh, was it the, was it the one where I said uh, Titans beat the Chargers and Bucks? And then the negative Titans fan. Yes, reacts. that's what okay. it was. So let me go through that real quick because this is very accurate. So the Titans beat the, the Chargers and Bucks. Everyone goes, those are shitty teams and we barely beat them. This team isn't good. Whatever. We beat the Chiefs. Oh, well, the, we win one big game every year. That This team still sucks. Let's see them do it against the division. Blow out the Jaguars. The Jaguars are terrible. <laughs> Let's see them do it against the Colts. They'll never beat the Colts. They beat the Colts. And now I'm seeing people that are like, well, that's fine, but the Colts were injured, and, and they're never going to beat the Texans. So when are we going to stop moving the goalposts and just say, this team is pretty good. I don't know I don't know if they're going to win the next four games. I don't know if they're going to lose the next four games. They both are on the table. They're playing four pretty good teams, uh, two very good teams, and but the Titans are also playing very good football. So could they continue to be hot and, you know, maybe – knock off the Raiders, come back home. They've been really good at home, win two at home, and then all of a sudden you're playing for the division title in Week 17? Completely possible. Could they go on the road and lose to the Raiders, who are a West Coast team? They played badly on the West Coast. The Raiders are a good home team. And then lose to the Texans in next week, and we all be sitting here going, well, we pretty much have no hope going into Week 16? That's possible, too. I don't know, but that's the thing. I'm not going to sit here and write off this team who has done nothing to deserve being written off over the past seven weeks now over nothing. I mean, well, that's the thing. And then everybody wants to quote history. Well, well, historically, yeah. you know, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. Well, if, if history is the main, um, quantifier for all of the NFL, yeah. well then let's just not play the Super Bowl and just give, <laughs> let's cancel the NFL <laughs> And just give it to the Patriots every year. That's right. Yeah. Patriots beat, you know, whatever team from the NFC. Yeah. Either that or it's the Giants versus the Patriots every year and the Giants win. I That's mean, right. history yeah. would tell you that <laughs> Giants are always going to beat the Patriots, right? That's right. Yeah. So if the if Daniel Jones played uh, the Patriots this week, uh, I'm sure some people out there would be going, oh, Giants always beat they the Patriots. They always do. Something about those Giants. Yeah. That's the thing. I, and I hate that, like, mind, mindset because if you look back, so so much has changed about the Titans over the past four years since John Robinson got here. And, you know, while there, there are some things that haven't been totally fixed, even if you want to look at the Colts, just the Colts record under John Robinson, they're now what, five and three? Or they're three and five against the Colts yeah, under three and John five Robinson? Are, yeah, so th we have played, he's been here four years, yeah, three and five. So we, yeah. did, we swept him in 2017 and yes. uh, won one this year yeah so three and five against the Colts not not great you'd love to see that be a little bit better but that's not terrible either it's not like they beat us every single year um I'd say I, I just don't understand the mentality of taking the sins of the team the Titans teams of 2009 2010 
2014, all the really, you know, shitty teams that this franchise has had and applying them to this team because none of the players were on those teams. The coaches weren't here. The front office wasn't here. The, even the controlling owner wasn't the controlling owner. Then so much has changed. I don't know how, like, unless you're just saying the fireball or, uh, what, what's his name? The mustache guy, uh, is, uh, is responsible for, (laughs) <laughs> the guy, the guy with yeah, the mustache that covers the, his whole face. He looks face. like the the uh, Lorax. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, unless oh, you man. think the Steve Lorax, Underwood. yeah, Steve Underwood is responsible for the Titans losing to the Colts or the you know the repetitive sins of this team. Then I I don't know why you would apply them now. I, let's let's talk about this. How miserable do you have to be as a fan every day to just expect the worst out of this team? Uh, I mean, that's, that's, it sucks. Why why yeah. live it live life in a, such a miserable way? Why root for why root for a football team? Just, just ditch the Titans. I mean, if you're be- that unhappy with this team, just ditch them. <laughs> Become an Alabama fan because frankly, Alabama is pretty much the only team that is. I mean, even the Patriots lose games during the regular season, right? Yeah. Like they 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 played like shit against the Texans the other night. So. Unless you, if that's what you want, you just want your team to come out and blow the other team out every week, go root for Alabama and be a college football fan. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's it's ridiculous to go in and, you're right, put the sins of the past onto the future. But just for your mental health and emotional health, <laughs> I mean, you're basically walking around with a con- constant rain cloud yes. just dripping rain all over you. Yeah, it, it is ridiculous the way that, this fan base reacts to stuff sometimes because and and I understand, believe me, I've, I've been a Titans fan my entire life, you know, going back to when the team first moved here, when they first announced the team was moving here, I started rooting for the Oilers, you know, in what 96, I think when they announced it. So, you know, that's 25 years of my life. I have been a fan of this team. They have disappointed me a ton of times, no doubt about it, but, that those teams this is this team it's different every year like different like the ravens this year are not the ravens of last year or the ravens of the year before that or or you know anything else the 49ers of this year are not the 49ers of the past five to ten years that that team has been terrible for a long time so teams change teams get better we saw that we were seeing the titans get better right now um will it last who knows yeah but just enjoy the enjoy ride enjoy it while it's happening yeah. don't just sit there and be like well, it's never going to last, so I'm not even going to get I mean, excited I've, when People can even enjoy a win for longer than an hour, it feels like. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, there's people out there that just devolve back into what they were. Yeah, and, it, and there are some people that are still beating the the drum of, well, I've watched all the Tannehill games back in Miami, and I'm just waiting for that other shoe to yeah. drop, and blah, blah, blah. Listen, Tannehill isn't doing anything remarkable. He's right. not being Drew Brees, even though the stats will lead you to believe that. Right. He's technically just doing his job. Right. I mean, and for whatever reason, his job in this offense is putting up stats that are with the league best. Yeah. Does not mean that I think that Tannehill is Patrick Mahomes, but he could be Jimmy G or Kirk Cousins. I yeah. mean, depending on what your your view of them are, he can be. I think a, he's an every average, bit as talented yeah. or more talented than those guys. Yeah. So I mean, he like we said numerous times uh, back. Uh, I think we were at your house mm-hmm. um, with all four of us. One of the last times all four of us were together, and we said you don't have to be Drew Brees or. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. you just have to be better than than Marcus, right. and we're seeing what that is. Yeah, 
And that's unfortunate for Marcus that he could not be this guy because we all hoped that he would be. Yeah. But I think you're seeing now that the supporting cast is pretty great. I mean, we all for years we were all right. Well, Marcus doesn't have a great supporting cast and everything, but the struggles that he had this year were clearly not supporting cast related because I mean, Tannehill's got the same one and they're making him look like, you know, the best year of his career right now. Well, so, they probably all did it on purpose. Right. The whole yeah, team were, tanked were, <laughs> during that whole time. They were sa- sabotaging the whole thing. But um, but yeah, I think it it goes to show you that A.J. Brown's a good player. Corey Davis is a good player. Adam Humphreys is a good player. Uh, the offensive line is blocking their ass off right now in the running game. And Derrick Henry is a budding superstar at the moment. So he's got all that working for him and he doesn't have to put on a cape and be the hero quarterback and throw for, you know, everybody keeps waiting for him to throw for 350 yards a game. This offense does not want him to throw for 350 yards a game. They don't in and, and people bashing Corey Davis because he's not putting up stats. And I, I get that to some extent, if you're going to spend a number five overall pick on a player, blah, blah, blah. Well, let's detach the, the draft spot from Corey Davis's evaluation for a minute, because that's done, and in the past, that's a sunk cost at this point. If you want to argue about whether they should pick up the fifth-year fifth option um, or whatever, then go for it. But Corey Davis is playing well. He's he's a contributor. He makes he makes plays when he's called upon. Usually, he had a drop in this past game, of course, um, that was that was bad. But that hasn't been a problem for him this year. Um, they've got pieces that are playing really well, and and Tannehill is doing his job. And like you said, I don't think. And I saw that uh, that thread from I think it's Derek Class Clausen yeah. um, at QB Class on Twitter. He posted a thread saying you know he finally got around to watching Ryan Tannehill and you know he was less impressed than he thought he was going to be or something well, like what that. What were you expecting? I mean, he's yeah. not throwing a lot of passes. No, he's not throwing a lot of passes. He's not being asked to be Patrick Mahomes and create and you know make make chicken salad out of chicken shit all the time. Like he's being asked to execute the play that's all he's that's all he's being asked to do and he's doing it at a very high and very consistent level um and i don't again i don't see why that's not repeatable he's made mistakes i mean he's thrown some interceptions he's fumbled it's not like he's playing flawlessly but he's still putting up really good numbers because the system is allowing him to do it and he's executing well we brought it up a little bit so i won't get in too much on it is the supporting cast and coaching that he had down in miami yeah are pretty shitty it's, it's joe philbin and adam gaze yeah. and then when he first got into the league it was devon bess and brian hartline oh. and uh someone else but i made the point of you see jarvis landry yeah he is way better with Ryan Tannehill, right? Because Ryan Tannehill is efficient. He is aggressive. And this guy's just a monster reception black hole, right? But then I think about Rashard Matthews. Rashard Matthews, only reason he got paid what he got paid here to become a number one receiver technically in this offense was because Ryan Tannehill made him look good, (laughs) right? Or they were at least in sync. Maybe he didn't make him look good, but I mean, they were in sync. Yeah, he was feeding him. Yeah, and... It goes back to the fact this is a quarterback that has passed for 4,000 yards twice in his career, which we have never had a 4,000-yard right. <laughs> quarterback to pass. <laughs> Not since Warren Moon, at least. Right. And nothing in the Titans franchise, his mm-hmm. part, part of the franchise. So why are we expecting him to fall off? This When you go and look at the uh, the 
national stories that he's gotten, starting with last week with the Ringer, but the, he's gotten a bunch of different stories from ESPN, NFL.com, mm-hmm. all this stuff. You see Miami fans saying, I knew this would happen. Yeah. We never gave him an offensive line. We never gave him an appropriate run game. We knew this would happen. Yeah. While our passing offensive line, we'll get into that in a little bit, is not great. Yeah. And he's still taking sacks and holding on to the ball, and he's fumbling. But we have just enough around him for him to be the Ryan Tannehill everybody thought that he could be. Yeah. In, a, in the years that he's been playing in Miami. So yeah. I'm not expecting a drop-off. I don't get... I think if you're expecting a drop-off, it's because you want a drop-off. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think he's not done anything that makes me think, oh, this is completely unsustainable. Right, because he's not, he's not throwing for 400 yards, and f- he's not yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Right. So Ryan Fitzpatrick gets on these hot streaks, and like including last year where he went for the first four games of the year, was like throwing 400 yards and three touchdowns every game, yeah. right? He's not doing that. No. He's just, he's not being asked to carry the team. Right. And he's just out there playing good, efficient, complimentary football, and that's all we fucking needed, yeah. right? He's, he's a cog. He's a functioning cog in a bigger wheel. So let's dive into the difference in the first six weeks, second six weeks, besides the quarterbacks themselves. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, uh, this one is for uh, Josh Titans fan underscore 42. Yeah, yeah. He, he asked a couple of questions, and I thought it. I waited till Warren Sharp Football and PFF had all their stats updated. And he he has some valid points. Mm-hmm. It seems like we are running a, a little bit different of an offense, right? Calling more pass plays, a little bit more up-tempo, blah, blah. So yeah. for the complete unbiased opinion, mm-hmm. we're going to go through some of these because I told him I would. Yeah. Uh, so the weekly run-pass ratio, right? So how many run calls do we call versus how many pass plays do we call? Overall, um, the... On when Marcus was behind center, we called sixty five point four percent of our offensive plays were pass plays. Thirty four point six were run plays. Mm-hmm. Tannehill is sixty six point five versus thirty three point five. Yeah, so marginal difference, yeah. right? So very very marginal difference. Mainly probably because we we are able to extend drives a little bit. Yeah, but marginal difference on first down. We would pass under Marcus for 44% of the time, weeks one through six. 39% of the time on first down with Ryan Tannehill passing. Yeah, that's interesting because that's something that I've I've kind of sensed recently. They run a lot on first down. Right. So that that's kind of, you know, different. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's probably out of all these, the biggest difference, in my opinion, is on first downs that we called more passes with Marcus. Yeah. Which and that goes through um all the quarters. And that's all, they're all first downs. So, and, and that's I, the cleanest down to really look at because, you know, it, first and 10 is first and 10 pretty much every time. You, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a few first and 15s or first and 20s scattered in there because of the penalties or whatever. But for the most part, first down is first and 10 every time. And Marcus on second down, 66% of the time pass. 69% of the passes on Tannehill, which I thought was okay. a little bit interesting given how the big difference is. Yeah. So um, either that is due to maybe our runs being a little bit less successful in first down, but it doesn't really seem like it, or it's mm. just a different style of the play. Yeah. And Marcus on third down was 86%. Third down for Tannehill is 92%. So that was a big, big difference. Yeah. So 
while overall it's not a huge difference, mm-hmm. they tried to get Marcus started earlier on first downs than they have Tannehill. So yeah. they, they tried to get him going, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair assessment to say is that they gave Marcus a lot of chances compared to Tannehill to get into a rhythm. Yeah. So the next one is situational pace of play. So this is where, in my opinion, you start seeing a little bit of difference in Marcus and Ryan. Yeah. Uh, not a great big deal of difference in between their situational pace of play, which is measured by seconds per play. Okay. Marcus, 29.1 seconds between plays. Tannehill's 27.4. Okay. So not a big difference, but there is a running. They're Couple running seconds. a little bit faster. Yeah. The biggest thing, and this will be big for the Marcus people, and see, I'm a fair person, so I could have just cut this stat out and not put it out, but mm-hmm. I'm fair. The Tannehill no huddle rate for no huddles all four quarters mm-hmm. is 18.64%. Okay. We, the, all of runs and passes are all 18.64. Marcus is 9.09. So we are Double. running a considerable yeah. amount more no huddle with Tannehill in there. That's a- but his success rate is better. Yeah. So his success rate is 57% versus 52%. Okay. So there's a 6% difference um, in success rate. So that that's a big difference where yeah. we are running more no, no huddle with Tannehill. So yeah. I, I will say that is a valid, if you want to bring up Marcus didn't get enough no huddle, you may be right. But he wasn't successful with what he had. And this jumped up about 4% after this uh, Colts game. So there was a lot of no huddle in this Colts game, apparently. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, to Sharp. Um, you know, being down 10 points in the second half, uh, that's that's been pretty rare for this team this year because really, and th- this is one of the reasons that I feel, and not to get off on a whole tangent here, but this is one of the reasons I feel pretty good about this team not being fluky that they've made this run and they're 7-5 and five now. They haven't really been blown out this year at all. You yeah. know, nobody nobody's blown them out. They lost. I think the biggest Maybe loss Denver, was Denver guess, right? by sixteen. But that was that game was like six to nothing in the fourth quarter. I'm pretty sure. Um, so that's not a blowout by any means. They just never got anything going on offense. But besides that, they. I mean, they've been right in every game. They have not. They have not fallen way behind, and they've blown a couple teams out. You know, so they've they've had some legitimate blowouts. They have not gotten blown out, and I think that's a mark of a good team. Is you know you you're at least in every game. You're not going to get boat raced. Um, so I think that's interesting. But but yeah, I, I do think Tannehill in you know my perception from watching the tape is that Tannehill is doing a really nice job of getting them in the right plays. Uh, consistently and you see him especially these last couple weeks since the bye he's checking a lot at the line of scrimmage he's you know changing changing the formation he's getting them into a different play based on alignment and what he's what he's seeing from the defense and he's gotten them into a lot of big plays um, over the last couple weeks so I think that's something that he seems to really be comfortable doing and I don't know if I, you know, it's impossible to know. And so it's hard to speculate on it because, you know, we don't know how much freedom Marcus was given versus how much freedom Tannehill's been given or, 
you know, whether it was just Marcus was less comfortable doing that or Tannehill has a better eye for it. You don't really know why that's the case, but I know that that's something that Tannehill has been really good at, um, especially here recently. And they, they had one that, that screen pass to Derrick Henry on, I guess it was the second drive of the game that ended up getting, he got tackled for like no gain. Uh, that was that was one that he checked into, and that was set up. If if Henry Henry ended up reading, I, I understand why he read the block the way he did because he was reading Saffold's block, and the defender's helmet flashed outside, and so Henry tried to go inside, but the defender was really setting up an inside move when his helmet was flashing outside, and he kind of went back inside of of Saffold and was there to uh, to stop Henry when he came through. If he goes outside, he probably scores on that play. Right. It was, it was, the numbers were great. A lot of people got mad at that play. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people did. (laughs) A lot of people did. But that was, that was a play. If you look at the numbers and I, in the all 22, when it comes out, uh, probably Friday, because this has been a week from hell. But, uh, when the all 22 comes out, I'm going to highlight that play. You, you freeze it at the moment that Henry catches the ball. The numbers are awesome on that side of the field for the Titans. They have, I think it's four blockers and only three Colts defenders over between the hashes and the sidelines. And if Henry takes it and gets the the right side of Saffold there, um, he probably houses that thing, or yeah. at least gets down, you know, probably inside the 20. Well, the last two things, because there's this other, uh, these last two things are some other things that the Marcus people like to talk about. Yes. Was uh, that he took too many snaps under center and, um, he didn't they didn't use play action enough okay okay shotgun snaps all pass plays shotgun snaps marcus 56 percent Tannehill 46 percent yeah okay so that means that he's getting he got more opportunities out of shotgun right on pass plays play action 33 percent of his plays were off play action and that was like either second or third most in the entire yeah, NFL. Yeah, for Marcus. Right? And Tannehill just jumped up. He was, like, I think 21%, yeah. and now he's 27% off play action. Okay. So let, let's you, – you, here's your one bit of information I can give you on all this, is that Tannehill's a little bit quicker to the line mm-hmm. by a little bit less than two seconds, and he does get the benefit of no huddle more. Yeah. That, that's it. But other than that, everything else favors stuff that – should benefit Marcus. Yeah. I mean, the personnel difference is very negligible. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, Tannehill has run more two wide receiver sets than Marcus has. Marcus has done a lot more with three or four or five. Interesting. But it's, it's I mean, it's marginal yeah. at best. I mean, that's nothing to say that Marcus got all the spread. I mean, we right. of course, some of that could be bunches. Some of that could be, you know, other things. Yeah. But it all goes to say this. The first six, based on first six game stats, Marcus would be 3,144 yards, 18.7 touchdowns, 5.3 interceptions. Mm-hmm. Tannehill would be 4,272 yards, 32 touchdowns, and 10.7 interceptions. Like we say, if it means getting more interceptions to get almost 14 more touchdowns, <laughs> and you're only giving up about five to six interceptions. Right. You, you take it. You make that deal. You all make day. the deal all yeah. day long. I mean, because a, a turnover at worst, at worst is going to cost you a, what one touchdown? Yeah. Maybe, maybe if if the defense doesn't make a stop, 
if the turnover happened to come in the red zone, which none of Tannehill's have, um, maybe that costs you a touchdown. But if you're making up multiple touchdowns more than that, obviously that's that's a good trade. And yeah. And Tannehill's, I promise this will be the Tannehill's last cruising. time that we probably bring up Marcus. I only brought this up was because I want to do six. I got six asked and six. Yeah. six and six, and I got asked by a, a fan of yeah. the show, and I wanted to do it. I yeah. said I could do it. It didn't take me anything. It just took me pay i had all this mostly done monday yeah just took sharp football a long time to update yeah but it was just to it's an unbiased these are facts yeah they're numbers it's unbiased for the sake of just comparing six games to six games right yeah and i think that's a, a fair assessment to say not to say it's a knock on marcus but it's more the fact to say play calling has not really drastically changed it has now the no. plays that are being called may be better, but they're not something that I, th- I think art has just gotten more comfortable. Yeah. I think that the team is being a little bit more effective. I think they're generally the same kind of plays in the same. He hasn't yeah. thrown out a playbook and no. just created a new playbook. No. This is, this is definitely the same offense. I can tell you from watching the tape, it's the, the plays are all virtually the same. I mean, you're looking at, you know, you're a lot of a lot of outside zone. They're gonna run some duo and some power concepts too. They they've got a pretty pretty variable run game that you know still outside zone is the base, but they're gonna run some other stuff in there. They've been doing that all season. They're gonna run a lot of the misdirection screens and and things like that. They're gonna sprinkle in four or five of those a game, and then the rest of it is mostly gonna be play action crossing routes, and then your third down package, which is going to be more your straight drops and, you know, spot routes, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's all the same stuff. I mean, it's the same stuff that Marcus was running and Tannehill is running it now. And Tannehill has been more effective at it. Um, The offense around him has been more effective as well. Henry's been better. And I think there's some, something of a symbiotic relationship between Henry and Tannehill that, that, they complement each other because Tannehill has put more teeth into the Titans passing attack. And that in turn makes defenses a little bit more hesitant to fully commit to stopping Henry and then vice versa. So Henry gets going and all of a sudden they pull that eighth guy up into the box. And now Tannehill's got a cleaner read downfield. It, it really, the Titans offense as it stands right now is a nightmare to defend because you don't, you're, almost at a numbers disadvantage no matter which way you go. You're either leaving cornerbacks on an island against receivers with just one safety over the top to help, which means you're getting basically one-on-one if you wanted at least to one side of the field, You know, depending on what you're doing up the seam, maybe both sides of the field. Um, or you're getting you're putting two high safeties up, and now you've only got seven guys in the box to defend Henry, and that is a major issue you know, most, most teams are not putting too high safeties up against the Titans. And that's part of why Tannehill has been able to have so much success, but that's, that's what the Titans have faced all year. They've mostly faced one high, you know, post safety type defensive looks. They very rarely get cover two looks, at least not on first and second down. And that's an advantage for the, the quarterback. So you're seeing, you're seeing Tannehill take advantage of that and, and make some big plays in the passing game, especially with, with play action and it's it's a fun offense to watch right now honestly just the the design of it is really nice well um let's talk about 
just a few few more stats. These All are right. from NFL. All okay, right. then we'll then we'll get into a little bit more about dissecting the game. Uh, one of the stats is Jim White shared uh, just a few minutes ago, actually two hours ago, but I missed that. Uh, the team is averaging 6.49 yards per play to lead the NFL. The Baltimore Ravens are next on the list at 6.39 yards per play. That's since Tannehill took over, right? Since Tannehill's yeah. t- took over. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's the, I mean, on a per-play basis, the most efficient offense in the NFL. Well, and then we are fifth in the AFC in scoring for the whole season, yeah. which I can't even tell you the last time we were even considered top five in the AFC alone, right? Yeah. In top scoring, I mean, probably 2016, I would say, but I, I mean, I'm not really I, entirely sure on that. Yeah, I think, I think full season now we're 15th in the NFL in in points per game, and that's that's going back to week one. They're probably going to jump into the top, you know, 10 or so. I think if okay. if they keep going. In okay, the way so they this are. is tight. This is in the email I got from NFL Communications. All right, and I always scan these really quick to see if they mention the Titans, and lately they haven't. But we have a lot in this today's. Oh, some nuggets. Yeah, taking the next steps in Tennessee is what they call it. Tennessee enters Week 14 on a three-game winning streak, averaging 36 points per game since Week 10, Ooh. the second most in the NFL over that span. Ryan Tannehill leads the NFL with 113.9 passer rating entering week 14. Having completed more than 75% of his pass attempts with a passer rating of 130 or higher in each of his past two games. On Sunday against Oakland, Tannehill can join Aaron Rodgers, who had three games in 2011, as the only player to complete at least 75% of their passes with a passer rating of 130 or higher, minimum of 10 attempts, in three consecutive games in a single season in NFL history. Uh, It'd be Aaron Rodgers and Ryan Tannehill. (laughs) Not Tom Brady, not Patrick Mahomes, those two guys. Uh, Additionally, with at least two touchdown passes and a passer rating of 125 or higher, Tannehill would join Russell Wilson, who had five games in 2015, as the only player with four consecutive games with at least two passing touchdowns and a passer rating of 125 or higher in NFL history. Wild. That's wild. wild. Since week 10, Tennessee running back Derrick Henry leads the NFL in rushing yards, 496, and rushing touchdowns in five. With at least 150 scrimmage yards, not rush yards, scrimmage yards, and a rushing touchdown against Oakland on Sunday, Henry can become the fifth player with at least 150 scrimmage yards and a rushing touchdown in four consecutive games in NFL history. Mm. The players with at least 150 scrimmage yards and a rushing touchdown in four consecutive games in NFL history. Can you name three of the four? I'll give you the three. All right. Uh, Jim Brown. Nope. Oh, oh. OJ Simpson? No. No. Man. I'm all over the place here. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Eric Dickerson? Nope. Nope. Yeah. You, you Adrian really Peterson? No. And you, that was 0 for 4. That's amazing. All right. Okay. LaDainian Tomlinson. Okay. That's Larry Johnson, Priest Holmes, and Terrell Davis. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's a pretty good list to be a part pretty of. Pretty good company, yeah. I mean, and then there's there's some other stats with that he's joined Adrian Peterson like you talked yeah, yeah, about, yeah. which we have compared him to Adrian Peterson. Yeah. So let's get into the game now. We got all, right. all the we got all the wonderful stats out of the way all that right. probably has bored everybody. <laughs> I want to go into Derrick Henry and yeah. I want to talk about that his pass blocking. Yeah. Is it time and I know that Deion Lewis had a really great 
screen pass, right? Yeah. Uh, some a, people a were a little play. mad that he was in there on third down, but that was a perfectly drawn-up play. He almost got the first. Yeah. And you know me. I, I am not a Deion Lewis fan. No. But I will say that is a good play call, and the, pl- the right player was probably in there for that play call. Yeah. Is it time to get Derrick Henry in on more third downs, though? Because I saw him lay out some massive blocks that helped Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I think I think you are starting to see him a little bit more on third down. He was all, he was pretty much exclusively not in on third downs uh, earlier in the season. We saw him at least in I, – I know he was in for at least two third downs in the Colts game. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think it's time to see him a little bit more um, – the tough thing is, so Henry as a pass blocker, I think he's okay. Um, you know, part of the biggest thing in pass blocking is knowing where to be and knowing the protections and, and how to, you know, how to complement your offensive line. And I don't know if Henry has always been good at that. I, you know, I would assume if the coaches aren't using him, or if that's part of the reason that the coaches aren't using him, that they don't think he's as he knows the protections like Deion Lewis does, but physically he's very capable when he does block, he blocks well. So it's, it's whether or not he's consistently in the right place, consistently able to pick up the blitz, see where the blitz is coming from, because usually on third downs, the defense is bringing something besides just a straight rush. They're either stunting or twisting or blitzing. You know, something's going on with that pass rush on third down. And whether he can see that and be in the right spot is the question. But I do think Lewis, despite the drops he's had this season, is still a better pass catching back from the standpoint of getting downfield and running an actual route. Now, Henry, if you're going to swing it to somebody or – hit him on a screen, he's perfectly capable of catching that ball, and he's way more dangerous than Henry once he does catch the ball. So I think your screen packages, things like that, you should try to use Henry more. Um, but if you're going to put him, spread him out wide and make him, ask him to run like a receiver route, I think Lewis is probably still your best bet for that kind of usage. But I, I do think they should use him more on third down. I, I don't think you completely bench Deion Lewis because, frankly – Part of the reason you might not want to use Henry on third down is that he's got to come off the field sometime. And you don't want him coming off the field on first and second down when he's absolutely critical to the offense. So if you can get him, buy him a few snaps on third down, not ask him to, you know, pick up these. Because sometimes these guys in pass protection take some pretty monster hits uh, trying to pick up a blitzing linebacker or something like that. So I think I think there's reasons to not use him all the time on third down but you could probably use him more than they have so that, that's kind of where I'd be at with it well who do you think was the most was let's take Derrick Henry out and mm-hmm. let's take Tannehill out okay. who was the most impressive player on both offense and defense from this game um I'd say offense I'd go either Jack Conklin or Roger Saffold. Okay, so what'd you see from both those guys that you want to put them on this list? Because, I mean, like we said, pass protection was a little was suspect, but that is a, that is Ryan Tannehill's fault just as much as some of the on some of the sacks as the offensive linemen. Sure. So let's let's actually talk about Conklin first. Okay, we haven't really talked a lot about Conklin, yeah. and maybe that's a good thing because he's not doing anything to bad, but he's not necessarily doing anything. I guess outstanding that jumps out on tape maybe we're missing it 
Tell us what you saw about Jack Conklin this game, but what you've seen about him from the whole season. So I think he's played really well. I, you know, in pass protection, you haven't heard a lot about him. I think the Jaguars, the first Jaguars game when he was up against Josh Allen, Josh Allen gave him some trouble in that game. But aside from that, you have really not seen him struggle a whole lot in pass protection. Like he's been, he's been solid over there on the right side. He, every now and then he might get pushed back into the pocket a little bit, but for the vast majority of the snaps, he's, he's playing well. Um, on the, in the run game, it's been kind of interesting because the last probably three weeks heading into the Colts game, the Titans were getting a lot done on the left side. They, they were really a lot of their big runs and big plays were going left. They were, they were loading up behind Lawan and Saffold and getting downhill. And that, that's the more dominant side of the line, largely because Saffold is way better than, than Nate Davis at this point. Uh, but Conklin in this game was probably the key guy um, on a lot of the, the better run plays for Henry. He was, he was out there reaching uh, outside linebackers, getting guys pinned. I, I thought he did a really nice job in the running game. He's been good all year, and he's been consistently good all year. I think he's currently PFF's 15th-rated tackle overall, and that is left and right tackles. So um, if you wanted to just look at right tackles only, he's probably in the top five uh, among right tackles, and that's that's about where he was before the injury. So I think what you're seeing is Jack Conklin is back at 20 what 16 2017 Jack Conklin levels and that's a really good player and I've 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 argued with some people on Twitter the last couple of days actually about this some people seem to assume that that Conklin is done and that the Titans aren't going to resign him because they did not pick up his fifth year option and I don't know how true that is because the reason for them to not pick up his fifth year option were, were plenty, right? So he was coming off of major injury. Um, his play had declined during the season last year. Cause they had to pick up, they had, they chose to not pick up his option in the spring. Um, so last year he was coming off a major injury. Then he struggled. Then he had another injury. So he was not healthy going into that off season. So if you pick up the option, then you don't know whether he's going to bounce back or ever be the same guy at that point. And you're committing to paying him, over $13 million for the 2020 season. If you know, without knowing whether he's going to be anywhere near worth that. And then the other reason to not pick up the option is the fact that right tackles and left tackles, while I don't think there's a huge difference in important because teams line up pass rushers, dominant pass rushers on both sides. Now, you know, it's not just you put your best pass rusher on the left and try to rush against the left tackle. They, they, they move them around. So I don't think there's a huge difference in importance, but there is a big difference in pay. Like if you look at the top, you know, 10 tackles, as far as pay goes in the league, I think eight of them are left tackles. Lane Johnson just signed a deal to become the highest paid right tackle in the league. And he is getting paid like left tackle money. Um, but he's also, a all pro, I think two or three time pro bowler. He's won a super bowl. He's, he's the best right tackle in the league bar none. So if you weren't going to pay him, if you wanted to pay $13 million, 
that would have made him either the, the highest or second highest paid right tackle at the time um, before Lane Johnson's deal. So now it would have made him the third highest paid right tackle in the league. So I don't think the, there was value there. So they could probably renegotiate or go back and negotiate a deal with him now and say, all right, Jack, um, we like what you did this year. We want to get a long-term deal worked out and get him for somewhere around the same amount or less uh, moving forward, which, and then you can also spread that money out further. So it's less of a cap hit in 2020. You can arrange the numbers so that his cap hit maybe is like six or $7 million next year. And then goes up, you know, later in the later years of the contract when less of the money is guaranteed. So you're kind of protected. Um, but I think, I think they should consider re-signing him. I, I don't think it should be a foregone conclusion that he's gone by any means. You don't want to create a hole at right tackle if you've got a good player there and they have a good player there right now. Well, so Saffold, he's obviously been getting better, right? Yes. Is that a product of him getting better or a product that Lawan is probably playing a little bit better? I think it's a mixture of both. I think I think Saffold is playing better. He's not getting bowled over as much because some of his issues where he was just it looked like he was getting surprised by guys or something like that, that they were bull rushing him and, and he just wasn't anchoring well. And that's been ironed out. I, you know, some of the stunts and communication issues along the line are still showing up. I think one of the sacks uh, from this past game was split between Saffold and Jones, where it looked like Saffold probably thought Jones was going to pick him up and Jones thought Saffold was going to pick him up. And they ended up both kind of half-ass picking him up and, and he slid through for a sack. Um, so it's not perfect by any means, but in the run game, he is absolutely mauling guys. And, and it is a combination of he's playing better, but him and him and Lawan and him and Jones, you can see are starting to get a feel for each other and, they're starting to see things through the same set of eyes because that's a big part of the outside zone run in, in this running game is understanding, all right, I if if this guy slants inside, I'm going to pass him off to Ben Jones and climb to the linebacker. If he doesn't slant inside, I'm going to pick him up and let Jones climb to the linebacker. So it's knowing how to pick up those kind of variations, and they're a lot more nuanced than that. That's just a you know simplified example, but – there are a lot of combination blocks in this scheme that require guys to know what the other guy is going to do and how he's going to handle that certain look and have that trust factor there. So I, th I think you're starting to see the trust factor with his neighbors on the offensive line develop, and he's playing better. Okay, so let's move to defense. What are you seeing from defense uh, so besides Harold Landry? Okay, yeah. so we know Harold Landry, he's probably – what where's he at in sacks right now? Do you know off the top of your he, head? He has nine. I think he's Is he not at yeah, he's at nine. Yeah, I I I don't think he's quite top ten yet. I think gotcha. he's still or like eleventh, I wanna say, in the league. But yeah, he's he's trending towards a potential top ten finish in sacks. Which you predicted top five though, right? I think I think I did end up going top five because I should I should have just gone top ten. I would I'd feel better about that one right now. But can you believe that Shaq Barrett has fourteen point five sacks? But that was like what ten sacks in like the first part like, of the year. Right? Yeah, he had like nine sacks in the first four games or something like that. Right now he is tied for thirteen with nine sacks. Thirteenth, okay, okay. Yeah, so, so he's got a ways to go. the The top one, the 
to get into the top five is 10.5. So oh, not okay. too far. That's, that's in range. Yeah. We need a we need a big game against uh, the Raiders. Yeah. yeah. So besides him, who is really standing out on this defense that maybe people are either go letting go unnoticed or kind of forgot about? So I think Jeffrey Simmons in this past game really stood out. We've we've all seen the clip that circulated from him uh, putting Quentin Nelson on his back, but that was definitely not the only play that he made. Uh, in that game that was impressive. He's he's getting a lot of penetration into the backfield in this game. He's really showing up uh, all over the field, kind of making plays. I, I, I thought he was – this was probably his second-best game behind that Chargers game um, so far. So I think, I think Jeffrey Simmons. And then the other guy that I think maybe has been overlooked a little bit recently just because he was not on the field for a little bit as Jayon Brown. And it it's easy to overlook Jayon Brown. People get excited about some of the other stuff that's that is going on on that defense. But Jayon Brown again is back and he's playing really well and and he's a guy that you can count on to consistently just do his job, make plays. He's I think he's got like seven passes broken up this year, which is uh, a career high for him already even though he's missed a few games and I, th- I think he's only played like 10 games so far this year. So um, he's having another, another really good season. He's going to end up finishing probably second or third in the team in, in tackles. So um, I think Jayon Brown deserves, deserves some credit. I want to talk a little bit about art Smith. Let's go back into to art territory here. And I specifically want to talk about um, route, route concepts because yeah. notorious hater of all things, art Smith, super horn, <laughs> And you can at him at super <laughs> underscore horn. Very well. I, I like him. He's respected. I respect his opinion. But he's been notoriously harsh in our group chat about Art Smith being a complete fucking moron. His words, not mine. Um, so obviously some things have gotten better, yes. right? So what are you seeing route concept wise uh, from Art and this team? So. I don't know that the route concepts have changed a ton, uh, you know, since the early parts of the season. I think you're seeing Art get a better feel for when to call certain plays, better better feel for sequencing and, you know, having plays that counter off of other plays. I think you're starting to see that a lot more on the tape. Um, the biggest thing is third downs, they are – keeping themselves one, they're keeping themselves out of these third and horrific situations, which was a big issue early in the season. They were getting, you know, third and 12, third and 14 constantly. I mean, that's a nightmare scenario for any team, any offensive coordinator. There's no great play that you can run on third and 15 like that, that you're just, you're hoping for a a defensive bust basically. Um, But I think, you're seeing him on his third down plays get a little bit better as far as spacing on the routes. So you're not ending up with two guys in the same spot quite as frequently. Um, I think that's been the, probably the biggest change in as far as route combinations go, but you're still seeing the same, like, I mean, they probably run Yankee, the Yankee concept, which is a play action crosser combined with a deep post or a deep corner. Um, if you want to run it on like a half field, read kind of boot action they're running that concept probably five times a game i mean and they're only throwing what 
you know, 20 passes a game, something like that. So they are running the hell out of Yankee. And it's super difficult to defend when you've got a running back like Derrick Henry who demands extra defenders in the box. So if you're, you want to run Yankee against a single high look, right? So you've got, you, you've got basically a safety in two corners, and then you are hoping that the run fake influences the, the other eight players. So you've got linebackers, you've got probably an overhang safety in the box, and you're hoping that the play action, they at least take a couple steps up and get out of position, and then it takes them a minute to get back into coverage. By that time, you've got your crosser is too deep for the linebackers to reach, and then you've got your deep post over the top. So against that look, your safety has to choose whether he's going to jump down and cut the crosser and leave his corner, his other corner one-on-one against a deep post, or he's going to stay over the top and take the post and leave the, the crosser open. And whichever one he decides, the quarterback gets to make him wrong. So the quarterback reads his body language, throws to the guy that's going to be open, and you've got a, a chunk play. They are running the hell out of that, and it's working really effectively because – teams have to bite on the run fake to Henry. I mean, you just, you can't be late to the hole with Henry because if you do, he's gone. And that, that is why this offense works so well right now. Okay. So let's talk about the defense. Let's talk about Dean Pease. Okay. Uh, a lot of Dean Pease hate flew through uh, Twitter <laughs> uh, because we were getting burnt by uh, AAF uh, scrubs. Yeah. Well, Zach Pascal. You know, but we we at one point in the game had AAF scrubs at cornerback. Yeah. So, um, what could Dean Pease have done? Is there anything that he could have done in that that sense? I mean, to be honest, I was caught off guard that this team, uh, the Colts, in their first thirteen plays, they ran uh, seven times to- or passed seven times the majority of their plays. It yeah. may have even been more than that, but. I they came out passing. Yeah. Of all no T. Y. Hilton, no Marlon Mack, and no Eric Ebron, and they come out passing? Yeah. Like I don't think anybody really expected it. Yeah, I was a little surprised myself. I, I, I was expecting and I think the Titans were probably expecting the Colts to come out and run the ball because that's what the Colts do. I mean, they yeah. are a run first team. Um, you know, people in the, the irony here is you know, people will talk about how great a coach Frank Reich is. And if we could only get an offensive coach like Frank Reich, and then they bash Arthur Smith for running the ball too much. Frank Reich runs the ball as much or more than Arthur Smith. Uh, it, running is not the devil, but anyways, that, that's a topic for another conversation. Um, so they did come out running. I think that, or they came out passing. I thought the Titans probably expected them to come out running and it looked like they were loading the box up early to, to try to, thwart that and and did get you know they were getting hit with the same stuff that we were just talking about you know the play action and then the crossing routes over the middle you know you've got your linebackers out of, out of position I think one thing that probably needs to start to be discussed a little bit because I love Rashawn Evans I think he's a really good run defender I think he's a pretty good pass rusher too he's not very good in coverage right now and and he could still get better I mean he's still a very young player but he is a liability in pass coverage and he too often is covering grass. You know, he's just out there covering a a spot where there's no receivers and he's not doing a good enough job in zone of finding 
his, finding someone to cover, finding a, the guy that's coming into his area. He's, he's a little bit slow to recognize that kind of stuff. So I think that hurt them a little bit. They got eaten up over the middle. I mean, really people want to blame the corners and, and that kind of thing, but the middle of the field is the linebackers and, and safeties domain. And, and I felt like they got ate up in that area of the field more so than anything. And like I said, it's because they were probably keyed pretty hard on the run and, and looking for the run. And when you do that, you can't be in two places at once. So you, you get hit with a play action pass. Sometimes you just got to say, all right, well, they, they got us there, but we didn't want to let them just run the ball down our, down our throats all game. So. What what do you think about let's say Dean Pease retired? Yeah, the chances of Ron Riviera first off getting a head coaching job, second off, let's say he doesn't. What is the chances that he is convinced to come here if Dean Pease retires? I mean, I, I think if I think Ron Rivera will probably get a head coaching job. Do you? Because I'm on the fence. I don't think he is going to get one. Like ninety and seventy six as a head coach or something like that. I mean, it's it's fairly rare that a coach with his record gets in his taken a team to a Super Bowl before gets fired. I mean, he's kind of I mean, I guess if you wanted to say it, he's kind of Jeff Fishery. Yeah. Um, but maybe a better version of Jeff Fisher that's a little bit more open-minded uh because you know, he he was he allowed the offensive side of the ball to do some a little bit more advanced things than what I think Fisher ever wanted uh to have done here, but um I think he ends up probably getting a job. We we went through it in Slack the or uh, not in Slack uh, in a group chat the other day. There's probably gonna be like eight or nine openings this I, year. I just I don't know something about it. I think that he's been with the team for nine years, yeah. and you know maybe he just it's not a it's not a fresh name, not a new name. Yeah. And like even Mike McCarthy took a year off, and he's already being talked about for the Panthers job, right? right. Yeah. So. You know, I almost think that he's going to be in a, you know, kind of looking for the right spot and how many teams are going to go defensive head coach. Yeah, I mean, that's a question. And you got Jay Gruden out there, too. And no, everybody seems to forget that he's a free agent. Because he got fired so early. Yeah. (laughs) And there'll be other coaches as well. It's just, I don't know. I kind of feel like it probably won't happen. And, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't. I think it's 50 50. But I think everybody's saying that he for sure is going to get a head coaching job. I'm not putting the money. That that to me wouldn't be the way I would swing it. Yeah. I would say it's very iffy. I don't know. I, I feel like if you like say there's say there's eight openings. Yeah. I think that's about the average number. Um, if there's eight openings and say five of them go defense or go offense, then are there two defensive coordinator or defensive minded type guys that you would take over Ron Rivera? Well, I would take, Sol- I don't think they, I, will. I would take Salee or Saleh. Salah. Is it Salah? Salah. I take Salah yeah. over, over Eber, Riviera. Eberflus maybe. Yeah. Eberflus would definitely, I definitely take Eberflus over Riviera. Yeah. If I, if I'm a, if I'm a team looking for a head coach. Yeah. Um, I think the Titans desperately want Eberflus to end up getting a Yeah, a I'd love for him job. to, to get the hell out of here. As long as it's not he's the a, Jags. He's a good defensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, don't put him at the Jags. No. Um, who's the Jags defensive coordinator? Todd Wash. It's terrible. Yeah, he's not that good. But, yeah, I mean, I could at least see two. Yeah. If you, if you go defensive coordinators, I could see at least two that would take over Riviera. Yeah. Um, uh, I, think, I think Rivera probably gets a job. Yeah. I think I think probably if he wants one. Okay, That's so, the other question. Yeah. Is 
Right. Does if he want to go right back in? So let me ask you this. If, let's say, Dean Peace retires, yeah. he doesn't get offered a job, or he just decides that, you know, I want to be a coordinator. Yeah. Chances that Speedboat Mike can get Riverboat Ron. <laughs> I think he would have a better shot than most, because, I mean, from everything you've heard, it sounds like Pease has loved coaching under Vrabel. Um, and apparently Vrabel and Rivera are tight somehow. Like Vrabel said, I think before the Panthers game that Rivera has been a mentor to him and has helped him out a lot in his career and stuff like that. So, and I I don't think they've crossed paths before necessarily. So maybe they just know each other through owners meetings and other coaching. Sorry. I just thought of who is the, uh, the coach in um, Dallas, Chris, no, yeah. Is he Dallas or Seattle? He's Dallas. He used to be Seattle. Yeah, yeah. he would be a defensive coordinator. I would That's true. Yeah, he'd he'd be a he'd yeah. be another hot candidate. Yeah. Um. Let's but see. yeah, I've already got Riverboat Ron <laughs> coming to Speedboat Mike pushing Tugboat <laughs> Dean out. I I would probably rather keep Dean Pease just for yeah. continuity's sake because I think they're doing a lot that is really complicated and it's nice to have the. I mean, the fact is that the secondary is probably all going to be back next year yeah. too, and having that group together for three years and the, just the stuff so that they, you can do would together. rather keep tugboat Dean over, uh, over getting riverboat Ron. If I, all things were equal, if all things were equal, I'd, I'd keep Dean Pease. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, then uh, good for tugboat Dean. Yeah. I like yeah please refer to him. Tug- as his name, tugboat. <laughs> I like old tuggy. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the Raiders game. All right. What are Lebowski asked us last night? What do you need to see from this team? And, it took a while for us to figure something out because we've seen pretty much all we've needed to see, yeah. right? I mean, short of a beatdown of the Raiders, which I'm kind of on the fence that I think that they are going to beat down the Raiders. Yeah. Um, we mentioned the both sides of the line of scrimmage. The yeah. offensive line getting better pass protection and, and keeping Max Crosby and those that young group in check versus the defensive line getting pressure on Derek Carr. Yeah. So... Maybe you want to talk about those two things. Maybe you have your own thing. What do you need to see? What I I guess what I, I don't need to see it necessarily, but what I, I'd kind of like to see, I'd like to see them come out. And I know we just talked about how the Titans don't have to throw the ball a lot. I'd kind of like to see them come out and have another game where Corey Davis and AJ Brown are just eating people up. And, you know, we'll see if Adam Humphreys is able to play this week. I know he's got an ankle issue and he missed practice yesterday. Corey Davis missed for a non-injury related issue, so I don't know what's going on there, but I would assume Davis will play for sure, um, and Humphreys maybe closer to 50-50, but I'd like to see them come out, and I mean, the, the Raiders don't have hardly anything on defense. I mean, that, that defense is bad. Um, I would like to see them come out and attack that secondary, really go after it, see if see if they can get Davis and, and Brown going a little bit more. Um Put up, put up some big points. Let's 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 dump truck this. Yeah, that, like, that's that, what that's I want. I mean, I feel like they we are probably going to go dump truck them because they're not that good, right? I mean, they're, good, right? I mean, they're good. really not. I know they have a good record at home, but she typically been against subpar teams. Yeah, Max Crosby's a good player. I yeah. like Max Crosby. However, I don't think he's going to have a whole lot of luck against Taylor Lewan or Jack Conklin. Right. right. I think I think you're still advantage Titans there. Yeah. Um, they don't have anybody that scares you in the middle. They don't have anybody. You're not that's... scared of Will Compton? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not scared of the wolf. Although I love Will Compton, I I don't think anyone's fearing. I... 
if Will Conte gets stiff arm by Derrick Henry and there's like a good like picture of it, he's never he's yeah. never ever gonna stop seeing. That. Do you think they're gonna kind of want to? You think the guys, the like the players? I know the coaches yeah. aren't. Maybe Vrabel kind of has mentioned stuff. Yeah. But do you th- kind of think the players are like like Lawan's like okay, we gotta get a run and I, gotta we gotta posterize I, Will Compton. I think so. I think they're gonna want like I know they like Will. I think everybody on the team likes Will, but. They're going to want to, like, get him a little bit. Because, and the thing is, Will kind of, he brings it on himself. Like, he's yeah. a really good, he's good at taking the jokes, right? right. You know, he, he he lets it happen. He laughs with it. He'll roll with it. So, if he does get posterized by Derrick Henry or LaJuan, like, if LaJuan just pancakes his ass on a play, it, I guarantee you Compton will probably be the first person to post it. And yeah. I really desperately want to see that happen. But... <laughs> The, the Raiders don't have anybody on defense that scares you at all. I mean, like, it is a toothless defense. The Titans need to come out and make it look like a toothless defense. Pound them into submission, and let's let's come home with another win. I, at the beginning of the year, um, I heard a quote, you know, good team, it was by Chris Wessling, good teams beat bad teams, great teams blow out bad teams. Yes. I want to see the blowout. Yeah. I mean, it needs to be a dominant performance on defense, offense, special teams, where we just blow these guys out. I really am thinking about a uh, 34, um, 7, 34, 14 kind of win. Yeah. Like, I think that would be, it would just, it's not needed. Because, no. like I said, I would I would be happy with a 24-21 win, yeah, right? I'd take any, any, any win, win of any kind. Yeah. So, it's a road win I, in the NFL. It would just be nice to see us just get get that'd be something else we haven't seen yet yeah us just blow out a bad team from beginning to end like yeah. we we ended the up jaguars, blowing it yeah, yeah but but they're yeah i would say the jaguars would probably be the closest but, yeah but it wasn't really from beginning to end right i mean it took them a little while to get started same with and, the colts took them a little bit to get you know starting yeah. against the colts i i'd like to see us start off fast and end fast yeah let's come out let's let's score on the opening drive and then keep the keep the gas down until uh until we can put in some backups in the fourth quarter. Do you have any last thoughts? Um, any any takes that you've seen on Twitter or people you feel <laughs> like you need to call out? <laughs> I probably do. I, I don't have any that are jumping to mind right now. But I, I do want to just say that the enjoy this season. Like, Don't get too wrapped up in, well, if they make the playoffs, it's a huge failure. Whatever this this season was already deta- declared a failure after six games, right? Yeah, like they, yeah, this this season was trending towards five and eleven. This this like, thing was dead and buried. We had so benched bad. the starting quarterback. We were all looking at draft stuff yeah. and like getting ready to scout a bunch of quarterbacks. Enjoy the fact that this team has come back from the dead. It's now considered by like it's not just us being homers. Most of the national media is talking about this team. You listen, like I listened to Bill Simmons podcast and he's talking about how the Titans are like one of the scariest teams in the league right now because nobody wants to deal with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill's doing enough to offset what, what Derrick Henry's doing that no, nobody wants to deal with this team right now and enjoy the fact that these last six weeks have been borderline magical from, from a Titan standpoint. I mean, we have not seen offense like this really ever i mean like the hot run in 2016 when mariota uh really was was feeling himself and kind of showing that like that was when everyone was convinced right you know that was like even if you were on the fence about mariota when he had that streak of i think it was like eight games in the middle of 2016 
where he was, he led the NFL in touchdown passes and passer rating and like all this stuff. And everyone was sold. I mean, that was the guy. That's what this is. This is that coming back around, except I think there's even more reason to believe in it because those, that team was still losing a bunch of games. Like they, they were up and down even during that hot streak because the defense wasn't very good. Now the defense is good. The offense is good. Special teams are killer. I mean, who who blocks two kicks in the same game? And it's not like I've seen, I've heard some people talking about how Vinatieri won that game for the Titans. Vinatieri missed one kick. Sure. The the Austin Johnson one, maybe you could put on Vinatieri for the trajectory being too low, but it could have been any kicker on earth in Dane Kirk. Kirkshank was blocking that kick. I mean, he, he blocked it with like his midsection that that was a clean as clean a block as you'll ever see. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a well-rounded team. It's fun to watch. I mean, they, they're doing it in all facets. Um, I, I don't know. I I'm just enjoying this Titan season. And even if it doesn't end in a division championship and a super bowl win at the end of the day, I think it'll end up, at the end of the day, being one of the more fun Titan seasons that we've had. And hopefully they come out and, and finish strong and at least get to 10 and six to get into the playoffs. I think that's kind of the magic number. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think it's 10 and six. Yeah. I think you get in at 10 and six. That means we can only lose one more game. Yeah. I, in my opinion, it would have to be the saints game. The saints game is the best game to lose. Yeah. That is the easiest choice. If you're going to lose a game, lose that one. Yeah. And you're division champs. If, if that yeah. happens, if, if you, if you go four or three and one down the stretch, you're division champs, right? Uh, no. Well, yeah. As, three and one. As long it's gotta be the, or as long as two of the wins are Texans. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, three and one with the saints loss. That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Um, then your division champs. A, you're hosting a playoff game. Yeah, which, you're hosting, and it's be? probably gonna be the Texans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's either yeah. yeah Texans or Bills. Either yeah. one. Yeah. And I think it's gonna be ends up being the Texans, be, and which would be insane to play yes. one team three weeks almost in a row. I I really want it to be anything but that. Like I <laughs> would love for it to be the Bills and us to beat the Bills. Oh, because they have become be they have become so unbearable. They have that that team is obnoxious. Yeah. Like Shaq Lawson chirping at people after every game like we saw it happen with Lawan, but he's continued to do that against other teams he's just obnoxious like i I don't like that bills team at all like could you could you see this team just winning out even against the saints yeah oh absolutely i I think they can beat the saints yeah i think the defense is good i think it's gonna you know it's an outdoor game it should be freezing ass cold um i think they can beat the saints yeah i don't think it's a non-winnable game at all i mean saints defense is pretty good it'll be the saints defense will be the stiffest test that this offense has faced the the colts are defense is pretty close to the saints honestly and they just you know put up 31 if you want to subtract out the special teams touchdown they still put up 24 points it gets a really good defense last week on the road so i don't know i think at home outdoors breeze and cold weather all that stuff i think it could be done It'll be interesting. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's it, right? Yeah. We good. Let's wrap it up. Let's and wrap uh, it up. Hopefully, we'll be talking about an eight and five team next week. Uh, I think I got the music playing. Yeah, I got the music playing. All right. So, for football and other sports, I am Zach Lyons. <laughs>
You can follow me on Twitter at ZachWords85. I am joined by Mike Miracles. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Miracles. You can follow the whole podcast, which is technically just me, <laughs> at FWordsPod on Twitter. Uh, other than that, uh, you've just been F. Please, please tweet me all your halftime ch- chicken little takes for the Raiders game. When we're down uh, 10 to 7 at halftime this week, tell me about how the season's over. Or just enjoy the game. Let's do that one. <laughs>